This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. As evidence builds around the long-term impact of repeated head knocks in sport, sporting codes are putting in place protocols to protect players. There are a lot of opinions about all of that, both in professional sport but also in amateur sporting codes and kids' sport, and it's likely to be an ongoing issue. So in this Squish Shortcut, we take a look at what the science says about head knocks and injuries and what it means for athletes and sport. Squish Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Simone Cesiaris. And I'm Claire Kimball. Claire, chances are if you've played any sport, even the no contact games, you've been involved in a clash with someone on the court or field or had a fall or some sort of accident. I know I have. If that's the case, you might have suffered a concussion. So let's start there. What exactly is a concussion? It sounds dramatic, but it's a traumatic brain injury. The sudden movement can cause the brain to bounce around or twist in the skull, and that creates chemical changes in the brain and sometimes stretches and damages the brain cells. Some people lose consciousness and memory, and it's often followed by some nausea, uh, grogginess, confusion. It usually clears up, though, in a few days. It doesn't always have to be a direct hit to the head, though. It can also occur through a violent jolt, for example, when your head is moved forwards and backwards or side to side. Yeah, like when you fall, for example, most concussions are considered to be mild. Where things get more serious is if someone has severe headaches, seizures, vomiting, etc. Then doctors might need to do a brain scan to determine whether the injury is severe and whether it's caused bleeding or swelling in the skull. It very much varies from individual to individual and a one-off event isn't a big concern, but these days the long-term consequences of repeated head injuries in sport are getting significant attention. One condition that comes up a lot is CTE or chronic traumatic encephalopathy. What a mouthful. Yeah, get your mouth around that one. It's a degenerative (laughs) brain disease that stems from repeated head knocks over a number of years. There's still some debate about it, but generally research shows symptoms present like dementia. There's cases of memory loss, personality changes and depression amongst many other symptoms. A definitive answer on whether someone has CTE can only be made after death though. There's no scan or test for it. It requires an autopsy to reveal whether the markers of the condition are present. And it's not a new condition. The first diagnosis of CTE dates back to 1928. It was first found in boxes, and that was when it was known as dementia pugilistia. It was also known as punch drunk syndrome. It then roared back into public attention in 2005. There was a pathologist who found CTE in the brain of an American footballer, former Pittsburgh Steeler, Mike Webster. That was a watershed moment, and it might sound familiar because it was made into a movie starring Will Smith called, you guessed it, Concussion. Yeah, it's a good movie, that one. have to add it to my list. Over the last few years, Claire, CTE has been found here in Australia. The first case diagnosed here was former rugby union player Barry Tizza-Taylor. He died in 2014 at 77 years old. Last year, former AFL champion Graham Polly Farmer was the first to be associated with Australian rules footballer to have been diagnosed with CTE. That happened after his death in 2019. Uh, Other high-profile cases in Australia include Aussie rules footballers Danny Frawley and Shane Tuck, both men 
men took their own lives and it's thought that their mental health struggles stem from the neurodegenerative disease. Uh, Similarly, AFLW player Jacinda Barclay took her own life in 2020. Uh, She was found to have suffered repeated head injuries from contact sport. The growing list and further research into repetitive concussions and the long-term impact has put pressure on sporting codes to protect their players. Let's take a look at that now. There's a lot that is still unknown with CTE, Claire, but what is known is that those at greatest risk are athletes who play contact sports, so things like rugby union, league, AFL and boxing. Let's start with rugby union. Rugby Union lowered the legal tackle height uh, worldwide in 2019. Reports say that that led to an instant 28% drop in concussions. Medical staff or referees can also remove a player from the game uh, the moment that they see any signs of concussion. And in the junior ranks there, there's a size for age program. Uh, Juniors can be moved between age groups to suit their physical or mental development. As for the NRL, Claire, there's been a lot of attention there of late as well, and that's because of a crackdown back in May. Yeah, so there are penalties for high contact and tackles in league. They've been in place for some time. At the start of this season, though, the NRL introduced protocols for dealing with HIAs, their head injury assessments. But things really got heated in mid-May this year when three players were sent off and 14 players were sin-binned by a referee crackdown on dangerous tackles over one weekend. Australian Rugby League Commission Chairman Peter Volandis is making no apology for the crackdown, though. He says, and this is a quote, I want our players to be able to leave our game with all their faculties. Claire, what's happening in the AFL? It had rules and penalties to limit reckless high bumps and dangerous tackles for years as well. Uh, Earlier this year, the AFL updated its concussion guidelines. Players are now sidelined for at least 12 days if they suffer a concussion. That's up from six days previously. Concerns about CTE aren't limited to heavy contact sports though. Cricket and cycling are two that have also moved to consider it. The International Cricket Council in 2019 brought in rules that allows players who suffer concussions during a match to be replaced. Aussie Steve Smith, the former captain, uh, was the first to actually put that protocol in practice. He was hit on the neck and suffered a concussion. In soccer, a similar protocol was introduced in a trial in the English Football League this year. That's allowing players to be replaced while a head injury assessment is carried out on a potentially injured player. And there are expert warnings that cycling is among the highest risk of sporting activities for concussion and potentially also for CTE. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? You don't necessarily think of cycling as being a high-impact sport, but this year it really hit the spotlight in March when a New Zealand rider, George Bennett, he fell from his bike during the Paris to Nice road race. He fell and hit the back of his head and it split his helmet in two. Since then, there's been quite a bit of discussion about helmets and better protecting riders uh, and their brains when they fall. Yeah, and right across sport, better protecting participants from head injuries is in sharp focus because, well, it's the right thing to do, but also because there are significant legal risks to those organisations. We've seen it in the US with the NFL, the American Football League, a class action lawsuit filed on behalf of thousands of former players in 2012 saw the NFL settle for US $1 billion. And there's legal action in train or being worked up across sporting codes across the world. 
And that includes here in Australia. Yeah, several NRL players have or are looking at taking the legal route. And something that's being talked about to protect the code from legal action is a concussion waiver that has the backing of a couple of prominent names like Phil Gould and Andrew Johns. They're big names in the NRL game. Mm. Their general view is that it's poor form for players to sue after retiring because footballs are, or at least they should be, well aware of the risks. Others say that not enough is known about the risks and that more research is needed. Let's get into that now. As we've said, a definitive answer on whether someone has CTE can only be made after death, and the only way to find out more about the impact of concussion is through examining the brains of sports people with and without a history of concussion or any other traumatic brain injuries. There are those who have put their hands up to donate their brains, and that's what the researchers need to really get into it. That includes the likes of former Wallaby and author Peter Fitzsimons. There's also Australia's first female Olympic cyclist, Julie Sprite, and rugby league legend, Peter Sterling. Yeah, and Sterling would have seen a fair bit of contact in his time. That's something researchers and health professionals have been encouraging. Yeah, one professor, Dr. Peter Bruckner, has described the issue of concussion as the number one problem for sport across the world. Another expert, Dr. Chris Nowy, he helped establish the Aussie Sport Brain Bank. He's previously said that while a small number of AFL players have been diagnosed with CTE, it's just the tip of the iceberg. There's a lot of research to be done, including on the importance of age at the first concussion. And some codes aren't waiting for that research to come in. About a year ago, Sydney soccer club Apia Leichhardt, it prohibited players under the age of 12 from heading a soccer ball. And it was the first club in the country to follow the lead of three big UK football organisations that banned children aged 11 and under from doing that. And that's because there's growing concerns about the practice and how it could damage the brain, especially for kids because of their their softer skulls. Yeah, and those concerns have led to a Football Australia review into the dangers of heading the ball at a young age. Which brings me to a general question, Claire. What's the advice for parents and coaches of kids on concussion in younger people? It's a good question. There's a government initiative on concussion run by Sport Australia, the Australian Medical Association and others. And what they say is that there's growing awareness about concussion and how to deal with it, but there's still a really long way to go. There's guidelines that they've put out that says uh, there's a consistent and growing body of evidence that supports a slower rate of recovery in children and anyone aged under 18 years old. And that means no contact sport for two two weeks after the symptoms of concussion have gone. Uh, But the focus on making sport more safe seems to be in the hands of those sporting codes and administrators. As for what's next, more and more information on the impact of concussions is coming to light, Claire. Yeah, and just this week, a world-first international study identified a new drug and they hope that it could halt the progression of CTE for athletes after sustaining repeated head injuries. Mm. And there's also research happening around the world about how the brain reacts to repeated low-level blows and what it means for the brain's chemical makeup and how it can be treated and prevented. So there's lots going on. Yeah, lots going on and lots to be aware of and that's your shortcut to concussion and sports onto our recommendations 
Each week we share some further reading, listening or watching. Mine is a link to the Australian Sports Brain Bank website, the ASBB. It was established back in 2018 by the Neuropathology Department at RPA Hospital in Sydney in partnership with the Brain and Mind Centre at the University of Sydney and the Concussion Legacy Foundation in the USA. Lots of big names there. Yeah, the concept of a brain bank is still quite an odd one, but there's many, yeah. many of them. But And obviously they're doing very good work. Uh, mine is a link to Concussion, that movie that we talked about earlier with Will Smith. I remember watching that quite some time ago and it really is a good story and well worth being aware of. Yeah, I'm going to have to watch that one. Thanks for tuning in to Squish Shortcuts. If you like our shortcut, you might consider leaving a review in your podcast app. We always love getting recommendations on shortcuts. So if you have any ideas, let us know at hello at thesquiz.com.au. Until next week. Thank you.